0: This is CliffCentral.com. Richard, are we on track with the financial pack for my presentation to the board next week? Well, hopefully. The team's very short-staffed, and it's taking such a long time to find a suitable financial manager for the division. We're way behind on all our forecasts and reporting. Why don't you speak to the finance team? They're a consultancy that can help you with an experienced interim financial manager. You can have somebody to help you almost immediately. They'll hit the ground running with no long-term contracts and no upfront placement fees. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to the business section of our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Safir Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. Hi there. And Leandi Stretter, business coach and guide from Race Corp. Thank you, Richard. Our guest on the line is Musidi Mudise, found, founding curator of the Global Shapers Stellenbosch Hub, and in studio Greg Sarandos, Greg has spent two years in Silicon Valley working with startups on messaging and go-to-market strategies. He's now back in SA working with local technology and disruptive companies on their marketing strategies. So thank you. Thanks for joining us and staying with us, Greg. And Musidia, do we still have you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, Sidi, we've been talking, and in the previous uh, part of the show, we were talking about your experiences in China as part of the Shapers uh, visit that you you recently did there with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, seven of your other colleagues. Yes. We're now going to shift gears a little and start talking uh, about this whole... Savings culture and and what that savings culture is and and, and what you know what, what it means for us in the South African uh, context. Now, while we were trying to get you on the line, we did have some brief conversation with Greg about you know the global phenomenon of of savings. Um, I, I do think the reality is, and I think we all know this, that there there is definitely a lack of a savings culture in the South African. Uh, environment, um, and I think we, we can honestly say that that's partially um, probably a, a, a cultural thing, but I think more phenomen- uh, more fundamentally it's an economic thing where people go, I just don't have enough to save. Um, I mean, what did you see? Because China has some interesting profiles uh, across the economic perspective. Are people with low income? also saving or are they are they deferring the concept of saving on the back of well I just can't afford to save exactly. what, do you, yeah. what did you see
1: so, so I think what was quite imminent was this person the first spend first then save mentality because it's so easy to spend but what, 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 what the Chinese had gotten right was making it easy and convenient for people to invest using mobile platforms But then before that, most people would either, if they could afford it, um, take their money offshore or invest in property. Um, In fact, the property market there was um, quite like there was this massive bubble in the store, this massive bubble. And the perceptions of people there, the property being a good store of value is very imminent. um, To the point where they had to curb households to be allowed only to we allowed to buy two properties because there were some that could just buy more than 2,000 um, because of like the level of, of, of wealth that just came up in the past couple of years in China. But then the low in the lower the, the lower income people were um, left to save their money in their bank, which had very, very low um, returns. So on average, like about 22% per annum, which is really low. But what happened in the past couple of years is as these mobile platforms became, um, eminent and sophisticated, they developed a very um, innovative wealth management platform. So, the one that's quite um, well known is the one called Yobao, which is owned by um, Alibaba um, and financial investment management company. Now, Yobao is actually the world's largest money market transparency. They have an excess of about $210 billion um, in assets under management, and I think they said in the first nine months. It took, it took them nine months to have about 90 million dollars, something in assets under the management, because we were offering interest rates that were much higher than the bank. Not, not even like prices by a margin, but much higher than in the bank, in a conveniently, um, accessible way. And you could also get the money out, but then it's easy for you to set up this account and just stash the money away. So that's been, that's been an interesting, um, Way by which a lot of people that were now saving in the ba- in the bank accounts, so lower income earning ones, migrated their savings into the Yobao account. And quite a large number of the population actually needs them. so them. So it would be, it, it, um, so then with China, also, I think what we must give ourselves credit to you is that we have a far more open economy, which allows several players to compete in offering products and savings. For people to save, and there's greater disclosure around what their returns are, and things like what inflation is. Like, it's not very well reported what the inflation rate is in China. Many people say that they have an inflation target of 3%, but the perception of people is that it could be much higher than that. So, meaning that if there are any investments that say are getting 3.6%, but when the inflation is actually higher than that, then they, well, they're not getting suboptimal returns. Um, in the money with the money that they put in the way um, whereas with us we have a lot of products that can beat inflation we know what inflation is and so that provides confidence in the investment environment mm. um, well for 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 um, of South Africa whereas in China it's more closed, and they have very few options other than the bank um, to invest their money and there isn't very a lot of knowledge and sophistication amongst Big chunk of the population around what their options are. And they have a very low offshore allowance as well, $50,000 that we can legally take out of the country to invent. So, so things like that like, kind of make us in a good state to be able to to say we actually have quite a conducive environment to save money and get returns over the long term. The options are there. And in South Africa, by and um, fund providers, they are really good compared to... The
0: like in China. Hmm. Now, I mean, f- from the perspective of of that, let's call it that savings culture, and let's call it the the let's call it the the ability to beat inflation uh, is uh, from a savings perspective. I mean, I guess the reality is, if you've got a low inflation rate you don't have to have a great return on your savings to to, to beat inflation and, and, mm. and, and stay, you know, let's call it static in in, in the environment. Um, high inflationary environments generally uh, put pressure on savings just because yeah. of, 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 let's call it the consumption uh, scenario that one faces. Um, w- what did you see in, in your China experience that you could kind of bring back to the South African environment? I mean what were the things that encouraged people to save and perhaps things that didn't encourage them to save? I mean, you talk about, you talked about earlier, the, the ability to make payments easily and, and effortlessly. Um, but I mean, that's also still a decision. You know, if somebody makes a decision to pay, they make a decision to pay. Mm. Um, you know, that the reality is that, you know, that's, that's, uh, a decision that the person is making at the, at a point in time what did you what did you learn about let's call it the the, the human psyche uh, that, around savings that that you perhaps can can bring back to us
1: yeah i think i think it's about making it for me i i think it's important to create safe spaces for people to talk about money our relationship with money is ninety percent behavioral so what our perceptions of how we see it is it a tool for what um is it something we methods to have in the long term and, 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 and for what. as So this is from person to person. So I think it's very important to kind of um, help. We, sh- we should create safe spaces as people to help each other around understanding what is your money story, um, Richard? What is your money story, right? And what can I learn around how you're going about doing this well, um for yourself? What are your, your, your habits and things you swear by that have worked Things that haven't worked, and then we learn from there. Um, and and it's, it's, it doesn't matter. The same, the same, the same challenges that we have here were, were not unique to the people that I spoke to in China. And also, the talking around in behavioral. Some of the people that you know that were saving enough, they understood very well they invested time in in, in getting knowledge around how can I make my money work for me, um, what are some of my options. And then there were some that were saying like they're very stringent around um, delaying reputation. So they're willing to live on 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 forty percent of their income and save the rest of the other way around so that they because they know that they don't need to have nice things all the time. So the things that compete with our savings. So because for every five hundred Rand pair of shoes it could have been five hundred Rands in, in a unit. So understanding that trade off very well. That every time I go and I swipe my part it's a trade off between me to Money away for the short, or medium, or long term, or getting that thing that I want now. Um, so it's, it's it's actually like mostly behavioural around how we see money and what we want to do with it on an
0: individual basis. Hmm. So you know, if I if I hear you right, um, I mean, I, ge- I guess my question is, then is savings? Is a savings behaviour a cultural thing? Is it an economic issue? I, ge- I guess it's a blend of a blend of a number of elements. But then the question becomes: Okay, so what does this mean for us in South Africa, and particularly for us as South African businesses? Mm. What should we be learning from from what's happening in in, in China? So, I, I guess if I have to be um, opportunistic in my thinking, I'm going well. What you are learning is that if people have the payment methodologies they will spend yeah. so so encourage the development of payment methodologies and if you're not in the in the payment space uh, make sure you take as many payment methodologies as you can in your retail space or wherever you are because you're going to maximize people's spending capabilities um i, I guess that's a little bit of a um, I guess, working against the whole pr- principle of encouraging savings. But, I mean, but at the end of, end of the day, that's that's an interesting observation.
1: Yeah, I think it's about through educating people around the benefits of saving, mm. making it desirable. Mm. But mm. understanding that, you know, in South Africa, we, we don't have, not everybody is part of this rich, green middle class and um, There's a small segment of this population. A lot of people live in 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 very constrained budget because of like you know family dynamics the number of dependents that have to rely on one salary so it's also about understanding that context mm. and trying to see like you know making providing relevant context mm. to the, that, that context as well like i can't go to somebody who has see um you know five marks with a family earnings. Say five thousand rands to match and fifteen, fifteen and say fifteen percent of your income. It's it's, it's, it's like when you in the dynamic space, it mm. may be very challenging for them to do. It, but it's about in with your constraints, how do you better manage those, those those um those resources? And what are some of the tools that can bring you out of that that circle of five thousand rands and maybe increasing it by two or three thousand rands more? When you have a tool. Or are more, how do you manage it? With South Africa, we kind of have a one-size-fits-all project. Also, for me, I was in a 1st city in, in Shanghai where most of the people are, 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 are earning fairly good salaries and have fairly good jobs. It would have been an interest to go in the more rural areas that are, are still developing. and have people working in factories, and they're also not earning as much as the people in the city and, and, and trying to understand their context as well and what's come up um, with they. But I think in the context of South it's about um, really, really like, yeah, making a desirable for for people to, to save, but also having context around what it means for somebody living in San Francisco versus what it means for somebody living in rural states, how do you make it easy, the cost of saving and in the right product.
2: Um, the versus the mm. So, Greg, um, so we've spoken quite a bit about making consumption behavior attractive. Um, and I'm sure that in the field that you work, especially with fintechs and with all kinds of technology um, development spaces, are you aware of any platforms that are being developed locally where, in which, you know, Becoming a saver becomes desirable, becomes easy, because we all know that the easier something is to do, the higher the probability is for people to take on that behavior.
3: I bumped into a couple of guys um, that advise um, individuals on how to become a saver and responsible consumption behavior. In terms of technology, I haven't really come across it yeah. uh, too much, um, I think it's important to realize, you know, Keynesian economics and acknowledge that, you know, C plus I plus G equals economic growth. So government Mm -hmm. spending, individual business spending and consumer spending. So every, I don't know so much about, uh, much about South African politics, but in the U.S., when Bill Clinton came into office, when George Bush came into office, when Obama came into office, they were told you want to encourage the people to spend because if they don't spend, you have an economic decline in the short term. Mm -hmm. And that's bad for business if you're a politician. And I think that there's, I think governments around the world are taking that track. They want to encourage consumption because it does stimulate economic growth and it does create jobs by de facto.
2: So it sounds almost as if all the factors are rearing against a culture yeah. of saving. So there's this, there's yes. this talk of a culture of saving, but all the things that we're doing is mm. kind of counteracting. The creation of a culture um, Liangi, I know that there's something that's very 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 important to you You're very passionate about that's purpose um, And in terms Of creating a culture Of saving in business mm. Do you see a connection between purpose And creating a culture of saving
4: So that is a brilliant question And it's and I, I'd I'd like to, um, to share my experience on that. I just had a quick chat with Greg um, about, you know, the culture of saving in South African business versus um, what that is in, in the U.S. And Greg mentioned that, in, um, you know, the culture of saving in the U.S. is very much you have a standard buffer of cash flow, whether personally in your savings account or in business. I know that, um, you know, there's no less than three months or more in, in, in terms of cash flow, reserves sitting somewhere, earning interest. But you can draw on it when necessary. You don't need to go for bridge finance, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more, in my experience, the more that we, um, we, we become purpose-driven, we become aware of our values, we become aware of risk mitigation around what our purpose is and how our values govern those in smaller businesses busy growing and scaling, um, that will definitely come to pass. I haven't seen a direct correlation yet, but um, I, I would like to make the assumption and say, yes, I do think that the moment you are clear about what you are about, what you stand for, what your values are, mm. and that becomes part of your risk mit- mitigation strategy. South Africans, we have a consumer behavior where we, we spend because we have a sort of uh, – Um, I don't want to say Poverty mentality But we we come from a a Sort of a world of lack Moving into Understanding what that world Of generating abundance And wealth is And then over and above that You have elements like You know, the ease of spend Has become so much more um, The norm Because of the various You know, fintech advancing And so forth And it's becoming easier To make payments In an an instant Um, I have noticed, though it's been interesting over the past few years, how you know various banks, you know, trying to to offer products, making it easy to invest and save.
2: But uh, even then, Leandi, I mean, like the return that you get on your saving mm-hmm. remains paltry, <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> mildly. Um, so and and like you know, I know the one bank. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention brands. They've got this um, bank your change kind of thing. It's not. It's not big-ticket kind of things that mm. is really, really going to make you um, want to pool your resources mm. and align it with something that is important to you and primary to you, whether you're an individual or whether you're a a, a, a business. And like, It's almost as if we're sitting we, – we've interviewed many people on the show who've got ways in which – and platforms in which to spend money to – to exchange money across borders and all those kinds of things, mm. but it seems there's a gap in how to save money faster.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Can, I, can I interject in that or just add um, on the comment around how can we maybe enhance these platforms that allow us to kind of consume conveniently? Um, I think like, things like your, your, your and and your, your change are a great step forward um for the banks to do that it's it's kind of like this forced saving mechanism and it's unconscious and this money adds up like i've been i've been with my bank now since january last year running this savior banking and it's sitting at about two thousand one hundred now unconsciously um and what i'm planning to do with that is to take it out and put it in the market so that it can grow more so so it's about then how do you automatically do that to say now that you've unconsciously gathered these little bits of things every day, um, design a goal that you can, you can use towards allowing it to grow more and, and then incentivize yourself to add more to what was, was once a savings now becomes an investment product. And that changes everything. And, and, and as a person, then you, you, you take pleasure in seeing this money grow and so forth.
4: I also think that adds a lot of, you know, it, it's relevant to what is com- coming right back to. What is the perception of value? <laughs> what mm. is the perception of money? Why mm. do we need to sp- save if you come from a culture of spend? Mm. Um, we don't really think about risk management and risk mitigation until the shit mm. hits the fan quite literally. So um how do we educated start having yeah. those conversations um, around why should I start incrementally and, putting money
0: uh, and, away and, and, and specifically you know I want to just focus this on on the business side of it as well I mean we, you know business and addressing the savings need is one element, but business is saving at the same time I mean mm. you know, I, yeah. I often worry when I uh, particularly in, in the bu- in our business you know in the finance team we go out there we talk to clients. And they say, "Look, I'm having some issues, and this is my concerns, and you look at their numbers and you go, "You know you're on the tenth of the month, and you don't know you're going to make payroll at the end of this mm. month and and that just you know I kind of look at it and I go, My goodness, you know if you're you're running your business like that from a cash flow perspective, my goodness Welcome you to my world. Uh, yeah." <laughs> Uh, so sorry, sorry Leander, Am I am I am I taking away your thunder there? No, this that is, is what, just so what I see w- w-
4: on a daily basis. W- and,
0: and and what is so concerning is, I mean, if I'm seeing it and you're seeing it, yeah. and we're just two people and individuals that work with businesses out there. Mm. I wonder how much of this actually does happen where people are, as I say, I mean, l- literally living as businesses on the bleeding edge of their cash flows. And and
3: I come look at this and I go, whoa, that's scary. I was sitting with uh, clients last week. Um, they provide business rescue services and other things. And they say small SMEs, so it's anywhere up to what What Peter, about 500 million in, in revenue down to mm-hmm. you know, the small company, 80% of them are in distress. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, in distress, I think is defined by less than 30 days' cash flow. Mm-hmm. Now, you flipped the, flip the coin, and I actually have a question for Richard. Um, Bill Gates took a lot of pride in attracting his mates to come in and work, and work in Microsoft in the early days, but he wanted to make sure I got to be able to pay my mates if I'm going to get them into the business. So he accumulated 18 months of cash mm. into the business. Mm. But in South Africa, if you're being taxed on every, you know, rand of, of profit from the first rand of profit, how do you accumulate 18 months of cash flows without having massive margins or massive growth? I think that that is probably. One of the
0: biggest issues that you know I see that you know we we have government turning around and saying they you know they're pro small business they are pro savings mm. etc. But I don't see practical um, let me call it acknowledgement when it comes to the for example the tax base as a, as a classic example of how they are encouraging small businesses to to save. So I mean, they, you know, an opportunity like saying, okay, if you put, you know, one month's equivalent of your your expense base away in a, you know, savings account for, you know, tax free savings account for your business, you know, you're going to be allowed that as a as an expense deduction for, you know, in the first three years of your business's life or whatever it may be. Um, there seems to be a lot of focus on how much can be extracted from business. Um, and, and yes, maybe mm-hmm. that, that works in the, in the big business. But the reality is in the smaller business, there aren't enough incentives to, to drive, let me call it the, the risk mitigation, mm-hmm. to ensure the success of the small businessmen.
2: So, so you're triggering a very um, strange thought that's mm-hmm. it's running in my head. You know, You have disruptive organizations like Uber come along and they challenge the legislative framework. Mm-hmm. That um, you know in which the transport and, and, and passenger industry um, mm-hmm. runs in, it almost sounds as if we need disruptive innovation to come into the saving space to yeah. really create that kind of paradigm where you are really really rattling the cages mm-hmm. so that savings, particularly in small business, mm-hmm. um, can become something that is normalized in a way that You know It's aspirational Because at this point in time Consumption is aspirational It reflects So many things about you Whereas savings Hasn't got the same kind of um, You know Headspace
0: It's it's like you're a successful businessman yeah. if you've got the BMW, the and, Mercedes. You the yeah, the, the BMW and Mercedes yeah. Benz parked in the CEO mm-hmm. or entrepreneur's parking space, yeah. as opposed to having two months of cash flow sitting in a bank account to make sure that your employees' and expenses I are covered. I, mean, I still
2: <laughs> think two months is very
0: but It's
3: like what, thin. What, what, it's,
0: very thin. What, uh, no, it's very thin. I mean, I'd like to see three, four <laughs> yeah. months plus. but But. I'd take two months at this point, <laughs> based on what I know. Yeah. Um, so, Mercedes, I mean, you—you y- you obviously saw saw some challenges in that in that Chinese space. I mean, what we're talking of from a business perspective, did you see the similar sort of things in the Chinese world, or didn't you? You delve into that in any way?
1: Um. Sorry, could you repeat that again,
0: Richard. So, did you see a similar challenge with businesses uh, and savings, or the lack of savings in, in in China? What was your experience on the business front?
1: Um, to be I spoke mostly to individuals mm-hmm. um, working for mostly young millennials that were students because of the language barrier, yeah. and then people that were working for business. So couldn't get much context around that.
0: Oh, okay, great.
1: So,
4: Richard, just just on that, interestingly, um, I just want to come back to Safiya's point quickly. Is One of the things that we, in terms of that disruptive savings culture that we could potentially do, one of the things that... Um, Race Corp also does is we work very much with um, the entrepreneur on their relationship with money. So it's not just a personal thing. It's very much what is the business owner and the leadership's (laughs) relationship with money. Yeah, I mean, like if you're looking at
2: Maslow's hierarchy hierarchy of needs and how money bleeds into all those various levels, um, it's Mm. an inescapable thing that. Whether you're a leader of a business or the head of a household, mm. you have to come to terms with your money story. Mm. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Well, I was going to say, so my relationship with money is pretty tight. It keeps waving me goodbye. <laughs> 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 and and how many business people have that experience? They They run their business for the entire month. They get to the end of the month. They pay everybody. And when they're done, they look at what's left over and they kind of go… Wow. Okay. Well, that's not, not a lot. You know, like hold on. I got to pay myself here. Um, the one thing that I, I learned, uh, fairly recently from somebody, which I thought was a great principle and it applies both in our personal lives and can be applied in our business is to when you're looking at any sort of income or revenue flow or profit generation, the first thing you should do is you should say, I'm going to take 10%. Of what I generate, being an income, profit in my business, Mm -hmm. etc., and put that aside and put it away. So my challenge to business people out there is to say, and especially the startups, SMEs, smaller businesses, is to say, take the first, the first, not the last, the first 10% of the money that you of of the profits that you generate every month, put the cash. Put the cash aside, not just a book entry. Put the cash aside in an investment account or in an appropriate investment product. Again, okay, you should be doing the same in your personal life. Yep. So that when those rainy days do come, and I know we may be complaining about water in Cape Town and other places, but trust me, the rains do come. And when they come, they come in floods often. Yep. okay, That's not the time to be going, hey, I wish I'd save 10% mm-hmm. of my earnings every, every month and, yep. uh, and move forward. Well, it's been really interesting to talk about the the savings culture and all the elements that, that flow from it. Lucili, thank you very much for your time. I trust that you had a great experience in, in, in China. I've had the privilege of spending a little bit of time in, in, in China, in Shanghai, in Beijing, and a few other places in China. And definitely a, a quite a cultural shift that one has when you, when you uh, spend time in the Far East. Mm. So thank you, thank you very much for sharing your experiences with us. To my panel, to Lundy, to Greg, to Safia, thank you very much for your inputs and insights. Really do appreciate it. Next up, the Youth Leadership Platform. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com